Hey guys, welcome back to Preview Alliance. It's Sarah. And Whitney. Another fan favorite. Whitney, you ready? Let's do this. Hey Whitney, here we go. In the hot seat again. Hey Whitney, I just found out I was pregnant and previously suffered a miscarriage. I'm struggling. I keep fearing I'm going to lose this baby. Any help? So first off, I want to validate that that is so realistic for you to have those fears and concerns. And your anxiety about losing this baby comes from a place of protection. Yeah. Because as moms, we innately want to protect our babies. And miscarriage is hard because there's nothing that you did or didn't do that caused that miscarriage. There's nothing that the doctors could have done to prevent it. It is one of those horrible things that people go through. And it's a loss. It's a grief. It is. Experiencing, too, myself. I want to say that is one of the hardest heartaches yes. that I've ever experienced. Oh, yeah. And I struggled with both my pregnancies mm-hmm. after with anxiety and yeah. detachment. Mm-hmm. So what is something when she's overwhelmed with those thoughts? So remind yourself, too, that your thoughts are coming from a place of protection, that they are not bad thoughts. Right. We don't want them to turn into an intrusive thought where they kind of spiral, where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to start bleeding. I'm going to miscarry. We don't want to have that inevitable thinking. Because thoughts are thoughts, right? Yes, thoughts are thoughts. They're fleeting. Absolutely. Thoughts are not truth. Right. So thoughts are something that we can recognize, but not validate. Agreed. And get entrapped in that. Agreed. So just know your thoughts, your anxiety comes from a place of protection. That means you're a good mom. You want to keep this baby safe. I would also encourage you do positive affirmations of right now, I'm still pregnant. Right now, I haven't bled. Right. Right now, the doctor says this, you know, pregnancy is going well. Baby is growing. There was a heartbeat when I went to my last appointment. All those kinds of things. And also... If your OB, midwife, whoever your healthcare provider is, is aware of that miscarriage, they may put you on some progesterone to lessen the likelihood of a miscarriage. I know that I went on progesterone with Will, and then I had such anxiety in between appointments. They let me come in um, more frequent, but I was honest. I said, I need this. And as I got a home Doppler, which... Mm -hmm. I, it made me feel better. It mm. can make you be more anxious. Agreed. So that's something you have to decide. Yes. But I think reaching out to support. Yes. And saying, I'm struggling with this. And just trying to find the joy in that moment is what yes. helps me. And as hard as this positive affirmation is, your body is your oldest ally. Yeah. Your body did not experience a miscarriage as a form of like vengefulness or malice. Unfortunately, miscarriages happen and we don't always know the why. Yeah. And that's the hard part because if we knew the why, we could fix it. Right. And that's likely where this mom is coming from is that she wants to be able to fix and prevent. Yeah. And it's miscarriage extremely common, one in three. Oh. If not more. If not more. Because sometimes you miscarry before you even know you're pregnant. Agreed. Um, We talk about chemical pregnancies often or hormonal pregnancies. Right. Um, and then too, sometimes moms miscarry at home. Very hard. Very hard. And so it may not be reported. Yeah. So I think that it could be a slightly higher percentage to this mom. I would encourage you to allow yourself to grieve your previous pregnancy. 
that's appropriate. That's okay. That doesn't mean you love this baby any less because you grieve the loss of your other baby. And you can, and I think grief and joy can coexist and people do not okay. think that. Um, we, it's hard. We planted a tree for our first yes. loss. Um, and then I always, in my dates, remember their, yes. their birth dates. So Absolutely. you're not alone. But as Whitney said, I think recognizing this thought Moving it past yeah. meditation, voice journaling, yes, that's support, be big. and taking it day by day. That's what I had to do some days. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so all you can do. You're not alone. We, yeah. We're sorry for your loss. You've got this. That's We want to encourage you. And if there's a grief support group in your area, that could be something that could be super helpful. Yeah. Um, I would encourage you to go to postpartum international support yeah. or PSI support because they can actually help link you up. With with other groups. Yes, with a grief support group. So even if there's not one in your area, there could be one in another area that's done virtually. Okay. And you could attend that way. Love that. So that might be an option. That way you don't feel alone because you're not. But miscarriage is a very lonely place to be. It's very isolating. It is. Okay. Well, this is turning tables a little bit. Hey, Whitney, my mother has strong feelings how I should be taking care of my baby. Mm Mm-hmm. And my mother-in-law has strong feelings that are the opposite. How do I navigate this one? Well, first off, I'm really sorry because that is just... That's hard. That's a headache. Yeah, I would... That is just frustrating and annoying. Uh Uh-huh. Because this is your baby. I was going to say, at the end of the day, you're the mom, you're the baby. But I do know being if you're a first-time mom... It's hard because you get a lot of noise. Yeah, you do. A lot of opinions. So what? how can she kind of just know? I guess let's break it down. So first off, how does she politely handle this? So part of it is, do you agree with either your mom or your mother-in-law? Okay. Or is it like we have three different approaches? Your approach, your mom's approach, and your mother-in-law's approach. What if she, let's, we'll go, we'll say that she has her own approach. Okay. So with that, you just tell your mom, I really appreciate you trying to help because we're going to give benefit of the doubt here that the intentions are good. Yeah. You say, I really appreciate your help. You know, you did such a good job raising me. And if you have siblings, you can include them in that. However, this is something that my pediatrician has recommended, especially if we're talking like feeding, nap schedules, things of that nature. How to dress your child. Yeah. So you can say, per the pediatrician, this is their recommendation. This is what they would prefer us do. Or you can say, you know, I've really researched heavily into this, and this is what I want to do. And sometimes it can come down to like a car seat safety thing. Yeah. So you have to say, I really understand that you want to turn my baby around forward facing, but that's not the safest thing for them at this age, height, weight, what have you. Say the same thing to your mother-in-law. Okay. You know, validate that they hopefully are coming from a place of good intentions, but either per the pediatrician's recommendation, which is a super easy way to kind of, you know, blame the blame the professional here. Because honestly, are they going to see the pe? No, no, they're not. No. Mm-hmm. Now there may be some where they come at you with opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll call it research for lack of better. Yes. And then I guess it, another thing is boundaries. Yeah. So with that, again, let's just say you do the whole, you validate them. You've tried the nice way. Yeah. mm -hmm. You've tried to be diplomatic about it. 
And they keep on keeping on. Mm -hmm. And that's when you say, I hear you, but this is my baby and this is how me and my significant other are choosing to do this. And just keep it at that. Yeah. And hold strong. Oh, yeah. Just like my mom with both my daughters really wanted to turn them around forward facing it too, which that is the law. But both my children have bigger heads. They always have. And our pediatrician has said because of that, they really need to stay rear facing at least till they're two and a half. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Because who's driving them 99% of the you. time? You. Me. And honestly, if you follow Safe in the Seat on Instagram. That's a great one. That's a wonderful resource. Lots of free yeah. tips and all the things on there. They will tell you all the time that, you know, kids can go crisscross applesauce in the back seat. That their legs are way more flexible than our legs. So long legs is not a reason to forward face. Yeah. My mom, love her so much. Great help. She really wants to turn my two-year-old forward facing and I'm just like nope we haven't had our two-year checkup yet with the doctor but just like her older sister we're probably going to rear face until two and a half yeah so you just held that boundary oh yeah you recognize it's a safety thing for us and then even if it's not safety and it's just like I don't want to do it yeah I don't want to do what you're telling me to do absolutely I think it's still fine to say this is my child yeah thank you Mm -hmm. and I think just holding strong oh yeah And I know it's hard in the postpartum period or even pregnancy period. You got all the hormones. Mm -hmm. But give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Hold strong. Blame a professional if nothing else. Or at the end of the day, this is how I'm going to dress little Billy because I'm the mom and this is what I'm choosing. Or, you know, I want to keep my kids rear-facing because I just want to keep them rear-facing. Yeah. So you're not alone in this to this mom. I think this is a lot of things. It happens. It does not mean they're trying to come parent at you or parent your child. It's just sometimes it was it was done to them. They do it to you. They feel. And yes, that it's a cycle. A generational thing, too. And things have changed. Yeah. Because I have seen pictures of me as a baby back in the 80s where, like, I was sleeping on my belly. There were stuffed animals everywhere. There oh, was yeah. a blanket or two on me. Oh, yeah. And I told my mom, I was like, you were trying to kill me of SIDS. Like, you, you want, <laughs> that's what you were trying to. To do, because when my oldest daughter came along, I yeah. was like, okay, like, nothing in the crib except for a passy. Yeah. And a Velcro swaddle and all this. And my mom's like, but what if they get cold? And I'm like, that's why you put on layers. Mm-hmm. That's why you do socks. That's why you do the little cuffs on the hands. And all oh, that. yeah. And she's like, but it's January. And I'm like, and our heat works in the house. Like, it, it it's a whole you know, it thing. It is a generational thing, for sure. And so you have to know, too. Their information is what was best at that time. So they're coming from a point of, I did this and I did it. And you may hear, well, you survived, didn't you? Oh, that drives me up the wall. But now we know better, we do better. So that's, hang on to that. We're where we're at. We know better. We have resources. Yes. Blame it on professional in the day. Yep. Oh, it's so easy. Much easier to do it that way. All right. The next one. I feel like my friends without kids and I are drifting apart. Any advice here, Whitney? This one's I hate to say it's this hard. is pretty common because now that you have a child, you're strapped to feeding and nap schedules. Yeah. And when your child gets older, most likely extracurriculars. Sports, so yeah. Sports, um, dance, school functions, all the things. So unfortunately, your schedule is not as free as it used to be. 
So let's just call it for what it You're is. You're not sleeping the way you used to sleep. Oh, good heavens no. You're not probably able to go out like you used to go out. Oh, no. Um, and I think it even probably changes once you're trying to get pregnant. And then once you're pregnant, mm-hmm. that kind of is where it may have started. And yeah. you may not recognize that. Yeah. Um, but once that baby comes. And I think, too, with motherhood, we call it a tribe a lot, right? Yes. And it's your your friends with kids. Mm-hmm have lived it in trenches with you. Yep. There's kind of like, you text me, I don't respond for a couple hours, I'm not mad at you. Yeah. Maybe, excuse me, my French Holy Hill's break loose at, yeah. the, at the house, Yeah. and I'm just now coming surfacing back up. Yeah, a dumpster fire going on. Yeah, so I think it's to be honest to that friend and say, I... Love you. It's not you. It's, it's me. me. It's and me. My it's it's me and my life. And I'm trying to balance my new role. I'm yeah. trying to balance having a human that needs me 24 seven. Absolutely. And then finding time, like if it's you know you may not be able to do those hour long phone calls or hour long yeah. drinks yeah. or go out to eat as much. Yeah. But it's just like a text. I'm thinking Absolutely. about you. Yeah. Um, I appreciate. I appreciate. I have one friend specifically. She had two kids when I was trying to get pregnant. And how she made time for me, I didn't recognize and appreciate how much she did when I really? didn't. Ha- now I have children. I'm like, even wow. those little things was so impactful because now I'm like, so it's normal. It is. And, you know, again, nobody's at fault. No, you're not it's, trying to exile this person. Exactly. Nobody has, like, like you said, exiled or said, mm, sorry, we're done with that friendship now. Life has changed significantly. Yeah. One thing me and my best friend do, which her kids are just older, so we're in different stages Yeah. of motherhood, is we voice text each other. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So that way, like, it's there, and we feel like we're talking yeah. to each other, but I don't have to be, like, on the phone for an hour straight or, you know, things of that nature. Yeah. So that's been helpful for us because, you know, we still get to hear each other's voice and yeah. all the things. So there are ways around that. I have some clients that say they use Marco Polo to do that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there are ways that you can still have that connection. It is a shift. It is. And it's not one of those shifts that you're never, like, you're not going to go pre-baby again. No. So, like, that shift is going to continue. So, like, if yep. this friendship's important to you, you both have to evolve with who you who you are now. Mm-hmm. And that's a mother. And that's time yes. restraints. So you have to have that honest conversation. Yeah. Because it's never going to be like it was before. Agreed. And, you know, honestly, about the time you feel like you're getting out of the newborn toddler fog, either you're going to have another child or they're going to have a child. And you're going to restart. Yep, and you restart. And the biggest thing with that is just being flexible. And just saying, I see you. You're still really important to me. I'm just drowning. I'm drowning right now. Yeah. So you're not alone. And that Mm -hmm. that happens. It ebbs and flows. Okay, our last one today. This one's a good one. Okay. Hey, Whitney, I do not feel like myself sexually anymore after birth. Yeah. My body feels touched out. I don't enjoy it. It's impacting my relationship. So this is extremely common. And I want to throw this out there to you. Why would you expect yourself to have the same sexual drive that you had pre-baby? Yeah. When you've been through, it could have been the best labor and delivery ever. No you, complications. But you still grew a human inside you. Yeah, you grew a human. And it came out of you either through your stomach or vaginally. Uh-huh. So... Do you really want any of that messed with? And then if you're breastfeeding. Yeah, even if you're not and you go through the engorgement uh-huh. and having to dry up, it's not enjoyable. It kind of takes, the children take your sexual, I would say body parts, lack of better words here, yeah. 
and use it to deliver a child or feed a child or just what's... Sustain that human life. It just happens and you're bleeding, you're leaking. It's hard. It's hard. Our bodies, unfortunately, are a war zone. Yeah. After having a baby. I don't think guys ever get it. No. Because... They're just like, they don't understand. They didn't experience it. They didn't go through it. No. So they just think your body, I mean, some may give more appreciation to that body. Yeah. Others have no idea how tapped yep. out you are. You've had a baby strapped to your chest all day. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, I don't want to be touched. And you're sleep deprived. Yeah. So sometimes sexual activity is the last thing on your mind. Oh, for sure. And also the hormone shift that we go through. You may not even want it. Yeah. I was about to say your libido is going to be pretty tapped out. Yeah. That's not alarming to me because, again, we are going through a pretty significant hormone shift. I know a lot of mamas struggle, too, with how different their body looks because it takes of the a weight bit. gain. Mm-hmm. And even if you lose all the baby weight, things may not go back quite to how they were before. No. And then, you know, if you, we, you know, we've had Emily, our pelvic floor therapist, yeah. mm-hmm. like she brought up some good things. Yes. You may have physical pain there. Yeah. That is related to your pregnancy and delivery that makes that sexual activity hurt. Yeah. And so it's not pleasant. So it's common. We want Mm -hmm. you to say this is common. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. Um, Your spouse, your partner probably is not having the heavy load of the child, Mm -hmm. um, especially during the postpartum period. So they're not feeling the sensory overload like you. They're probably not understanding how you are. And they don't have a physical and hormonal recovery to experience. They've kind of just, I mean, they're riding the wave of this whole experience with you, but they're not dipping and dropping their estrogen and progesterone and testosterone, even breastfeeding and what can it can do to dry up secretions. Yes. There's a lot of things at play. So what can this mom do? So first of all, if you and your significant other have a good relationship Tell them that it's not about them or that you're rejecting them. It's that you're at a place where you're not necessarily ready mentally or physically. And just because the doctor says six weeks follow-up, you're clear, that's not necessarily the truth. Nope. And that doesn't account to your mental health in that. Exactly. So, and here's another thing. Kind of set your expectations low as far as frequency. Yeah. Because, again, you're sleep-deprived. You really never know what each day will hold, especially in that first year of baby's life. Things happen, and so set your expectations low on frequency. Have that open and honest conversation with your significant other. Tell them that it truly isn't about them specifically, but you've been through quite a bit, and you do need time to recover. Yeah. And maybe there are other things that you can do that aren't sex that makes you feel close. Like, can you sit together on the couch and watch a movie? Yeah. You know, things like that that make you feel more connected. I'm going to throw this out here. If he wants to take the night shift and give you a night of sleep, yeah, that might change some things. Yeah. Going to be honest there. Mm-hmm. So, but having that conversation. Yeah, if you're not absolutely. sleeping and this is the third, fourth month and you've not slept. Oh, Lord help you. And you have some quiet time. You're, you want to sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you need it. And if you're seeing him sleep when you're not sleeping, that's not going to make you want to do anything. Exactly. Yeah. And then if you're having pain. Go back to our pelvic floor episode. Absolutely. So you're not alone. Communicate. Yes. And this is something, like, as we talked about, phases, stages of life. Yeah. It won't last forever. It's not. This is not forever. No. But reach out. Communicate. Yes. And you're not alone. Absolutely. So this is extremely common. 
And I just don't think a lot of people talk about it. Well, it's a little, you know, especially in the South, yet again. A little taboo. Mm-hmm, a little taboo. People get embarrassed about it, but there's nothing embarrassing about this. No, no. Moms, you guys give us the best questions. You do. Good Keep job, sending guys. them. Whitney, rock star. <laughs> Thank you. Until next time, guys. All right, bye, y'all. Maternal mental health is as important as physical health. The Previan Lions podcast was created for and by moms dealing with postpartum depression in all its variables, like anxiety, anger, and even apathy. Hosted by CEO, founder, Sarah Parkhurst, and licensed clinical social worker, Whitney Gay, each episode focuses on specific issues relevant to pregnancy and postpartum. Join us and hear how other moms have overcome mental health challenges, as well as access tips and suggestions on dealing with your own challenges as moms. You can also browse our podcast library and listen to previous episodes at any time. Please know you're not alone on this journey. We're here to help.